the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're doomed. That's pretty obvious, but sometimes we forget the level of insanity that surrounds us. There's no better example or reminder, I guess, than our Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services. Now, this is a man who's never been in the Navy, and he's wearing a dress, and he's also a pediatric psychiatrist. Hello, I'm Admiral Rachel Levine. This Black History Month, I'm pleased to partner with OMH in advancing better health through better understanding for black communities. Climate change is having a disproportionate effect on the physical and mental health of black communities. Black Americans are more likely than white Americans to live in areas and housing that increase their susceptibility to climate-related health issues. And 65% of black Americans report feeling anxious about climate change's impact. Through our Office of Climate Change and Health Equity, and the Office of Environmental Justice, we're working with providers and community leaders to identify innovative approaches that empower communities to address the health consequences linked to climate change. Visit hhs.gov for more information and tune in next Thursday to hear from another HHS leader on how you can contribute to advancing better health for black communities. Thanks, Rachel. He's obviously been working on The Voice, and it really sounds nice, seriously. But when we come back, uh, we'll have someone from Project 21 Black Leadership Network who says, Rachel Levine couldn't be more wrong. And in our second half hour, are you ready for this? I'll just read you the headline from the New York Post. Women are loving men who embrace baby girl vibe and ditch toxic masculinity. That's right. Women are dressing up as men and looking for men who have the baby girl vibe. And also coming up, I'm going to be talking to someone from the California Family Council about a bill that's uh, trying to be passed in California that will make sure that menstrual products are in men's rooms. Stick around. Well, Joe Biden and the Demediacrats are uh, doing their best to make climate change a major issue in the 2024 election. Fortunately, the polls show that it's pretty far down on the list of uh, things that voters really care about. But Admiral Rachel Levine of Health and Human Services made a point to uh, pander to black voters on the issue recently, and you heard that just a few minutes ago in our open. Uh, Donna Jackson is the Director of Membership Development for Project 21 Black Leadership Network, and she joins us now. Donna, thanks for coming on the show again. I always appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> so so I, uh, I get the feeling that uh, you don't agree with um, Rachel Levine. Uh, absolutely not. Um, she said the biggest threat to uh, the minority community is climate change. I'll say the biggest threat is climate change policies being pushed by this administration. Um, for black Americans, the number one priority is being able to create wealth. And everything that these climate change policies are advocating for actually do the exact opposite. 
you're talking about a community where if you have, if you don't participate in the keyboard community, if you have lower uh, college degree rates, graduation rates, you need high paying blue collar gateway jobs. And what they're doing is actually deindustrializing America so that those jobs will never exist. I mean, you can't compare a thirty-five or forty thousand dollar retail job to a uh, oil and gas job or jobs tied directly tied to the fossil fuel industry that are paying upwards of eighty, ninety, and a hundred thousand dollars a year. You need those kinds of jobs. And the other thing is this: if you want to build wealth in this country, you need to own property. And what are they doing? Everything they're doing is to make sure that black Americans and not just black Americans, but all Americans can no longer purchase a home. Property was the reason why this country became great, because anybody, irregardless of their economic status, what they were born into, could own property. And everything that the climate change agenda does makes it more difficult for home ownership. You hear about these, uh, you hear the narrative that there's low inventory, but they don't ever tell you why there's low inventory. There's low inventory because of artificial scarcity created by climate change policies where you have these frivolous environmental lawsuits that are attacking projects that either delay them or completely stop them, or climate change policies that uh, create extra regulatory costs that make cost of building so expensive. The other thing is we know every good and service and product is more expensive because of climate change policy. So how are you ever going to be able to create wealth, buy a home, raise a family, have financial stability. If everything that this administration is doing is making sure that they do the opposite. I mean, this, this, this administration cannot care about the black population and then claim to be helping them when every policy they advocate for is about making things unaffordable unattainable and so that you actually take away the ability of people to participate in the American dream, which is so important. Yeah, and um, the Admiral says that according to polls, 65% of blacks feel anxious about climate change. I'm not buying that number for people of any color. Uh, Are you buying it for black Americans? (laughs) They feel anxious about Somebody telling them that these prefab green jobs are going to be created that they never see. You know, they closed the Keystone pipeline down. They're attacking the automotive industry. That means that they're going to be 40% fewer workers in the factories. All of these, all of the agenda that they have is making sure they're going to be a shortage of good paying jobs. And then they tell them, yes, in the future, we're going to have these high-paying green jobs. Well, this, this is the equivalent of me saying, you know what, uh, during the, 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 when cell phones came out, cell phones is a great idea. I'm going to snatch everybody's landline out, 
Cut off all your communication, and only the people that can afford cell phones have one where everybody else is left with nothing. Their anxiety comes from the fact that there is a time value of money. The fact that you don't, I don't quit my job knowing that I don't have a job already in place to go to. And that's exactly what they're advocating for. They're taking away resources today in expectations that sometime in the future, these jobs are going to uh, visualize and they probably never will. So in the meantime, you're setting people back further because they've lost the uh, economic power that they would have had, financial power that they would have had to invest because they're waiting for a pipe dream. And we already know that the liberals promise everything and deliver nothing because you can just visit any poor black city in America and see all the promises made, zero promises kept. Yeah, and um, and Dr. Levine, uh, he mentioned something called health equity. Do you know what that is? Uh, Health equity is, here's the deal with the health, anxiety and mental stress that people have from having undue financial burdens. They're creating that. You, if you, when you have energy poverty, it leads to energy insecurity, which, I mean, in energy poverty is when you have to pay more than 6% of your income to energy, your energy needs, which means you don't have enough money for other things. Black Americans are paying 15 to 25%. So what they're decide, having to do is choose between food, they're choosing between medicine, they're choosing between necessities that they may need for clothing and all of that. All of that puts people in stress. When you put people in stress you and, and you put them in a state where they uh, don't know how they're going to make a living, how they're going to take care take care of their family, then you have, you you create health problems. We know that stress is one of the biggest factors of health problems. We know that uh, not having enough money to be able to go and see a doctor or not having enough money to pay for your medicine causes stress because you don't have it. You know, all of those things that go along with uh, poor health, uh, your quality of life, that has to do with the kind of health that people will have in the future. And they're creating everything. That The biggest problem with this administration is they always claim to be solving a problem that they've actually created and exacerbated and made a hundred times worse. And so that's what you're seeing, all of these problems where people – have anxiety because they don't know when they come home if their lights are going to be on. You know, they don't know if when they come home they're going to have enough food to eat and they're scrambling from one place to another. And now they also have to live with the fact that they're threatening to take away their transportation, their automobiles. I mean, you're talking about places in like California that's going to say that you, you know, by 2020, or 2030, you won't be able to register a gas-powered car. Well, people that make 
forty, where the average income is forty-one thousand dollars a year, is, are never going to be able to afford a sixty thousand dollar electric vehicle. And plus, the utility bills are going to be exponentially higher when everyone is dependent on one uh, energy source. So they're creating health problems for people that they don't need to, but it's because of the stress that they're piling on because people are becoming increasingly uncertain about their economic future now their economic future and where they stand today. We're talking so, to, sorry. We're, I just it's want to, outrageous. We're, it's outrageous. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're, we're talking to Donna Jackson. She's director of membership development for project 21 black leadership network. Um, so by uh, Admiral Rachel Levine coming out with this statement that um, minorities and black uh, blacks, uh, mostly she's referring to, he's referring to, um, mostly uh, are are affected more than the average uh, white person is by uh, climate change. Um, is that just pure pandering? Is, is it, I mean, what other? It's, they can't actually believe that. Well, you know, it, it, they're affected by the fact that climate change policies are create a disproportionate impact to them financially. So, if I, if my, the cost of my utilities. If I'm someone in a higher income bracket and you raise my utility bill by a hundred dollars a month, okay, I don't like it. Um, maybe I have I, I, I relook at my budget a little bit, but it for the most part doesn't affect me. But if you're somebody that's living paycheck to Wednesday and you add on a hundred extra hundred dollars a month, you might as well add on an extra million. Because yep. that does affect me. And so that's the biggest problem. And, you know, she doesn't speak for, I mean, I, she doesn't speak for minorities, and she does, hadn't talked to one of them. Because nobody in the minority community is thinking, you know what, we have failing schools, uh, we have all of this learning losses during the pandemic when the schools were closed and our kids were affected the most. We They're blocking school choice. Uh, all of my bills, my groceries are more expensive, I, so I can't buy as much uh, gasoline. I'm worried about if I can get back and forth to work. And But you know what? I'm really worried about if they're going to have frogs on a hiking trail. That really <laughs> bothers me. If there's going to be green canopies. Yeah. No, that's not what they're thinking about. Well, you have they're a. Of- you also have a story about uh, truck drivers and trucking companies and the EPA that I heard you tell. Can you tell that story? Absolutely. You know, I have actually is one of our members. I found him, and I'm always searching for people who can tell you about what, how they've been impacted. He owned a trucking company. He did all the right things. He didn't get in crime. I mean, he grew up. He didn't go to college, but he did work a job. He bought his first truck when he was about Eight twenty twenty something. Um, he ended up, you know, buying, uh, uh, building up enough equity to buy about fourteen trucks. He had fourteen trucks, so he wasn't just running trucks for himself, but he was employing people in the community. He allowed people to have high enough income so that they were able to buy homes, 
feed the families, create a family formation, something that's, you know, very scarce in black communities. Um, he did all of the all the right thing, didn't commit crimes, employed individuals, multiple shifts. He was in Los Angeles going from the port to uh, in the L.A. area. And there was more than enough businesses there for him to have work. They came out with the, the EPA came out with the Clean Air Act and said that his trucks were too old and they were uh, polluting the air. Yeah, you know, they talked yeah. about the particles in the air and all yeah, of that. Yeah. Now, the thing is, and I remind people this all the time, you know, minorities, they don't have as much income. So they buy used equipment, which is nothing wrong with it because it still works. Mm-hmm. So they had, uh, he had all of these trucks. He had about 14, 15 trucks. He was employing tons of guys because there's multiple shifts, all of that. They came in with the Clean Air Act, and they put them, they confiscated their trucks, put them all out of business. Confiscated the trucks. And they said that what they were going to do with these trucks, this is what they told him. What we're going to do with these trucks is we're going to destroy them. He actually saw one of his trucks still with his name on it in the Philippines somewhere online on YouTube. But the problem is this. All of these men who were proud individuals who wanted to take care of their families, who wanted to have a job, were put out of jobs. They they lost their jobs. He was put out of business. Not only him, but eight other black trucking companies in the name of the Clean Air Act from the EPA. Eight. You don't hear about that much, do you? Hey, I have have about a minute and a half left, Donna. Uh, I wanted to ask you on another subject. According to the polls, immigration is the number one issue in this election. Is that good news for black voters that it's the number one issue? It is the good news because who's displaced? All of those, uh, you know, immigrants are not going to Martha's Vineyards. They're going to black communities, taking away resources from real black people. Mm -hmm. So all of these policies that you see, we're the we pay the largest price, just like those black truckers lost their jobs. Some of them became homeless. uh, Some of them committed suicide is devastating for minority communities every time they create these types of policies and regulations. Are we going to see, I have less than a minute now, are we going to see black voters make a difference this time and um, and maybe move enough, move the needle enough to get Biden out of there? I think that you're going to see a real change because people are going to 100% realize they were better off with the policies under the Trump administration. Um, I hope that we will soon one day have at least half but I can tell you right now, at least 40% is up for grabs or conservatives if they take advantage of it. Well, I hope it works out, and uh, it's creeping up on us. Eight months away, I'm sure we'll talk to you again But between now and then, Donna. Thanks for coming on the show again. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Okay, thank you. That's Donna Jackson, Director of Membership Development, Project 21 Black Leadership Network. I'll be right back. Well, we don't uh, deal with breaking news around here all that often, but I think I have some from way out there in California. Um, it's a uh, it's something that the uh, California Assembly is trying to push through. I believe it's called AB 1810, and we're about to find out what it is and how stupid it is uh, right now. But we're going to talk to uh, Sophia Laurie. She's the outreach director for the California Family Council. And uh, Sophia, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, well, thank you for having me on, John. So <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants on this because it's just, just kind of happened. Um, so what is AB 1810, and why is the California Family Council involved in this? Well, AB 1810 is a bill that has recently been introduced by California Assemblymember Isaac Bryan. He states his goal of this bill is to make it so incarcerated women have better access to menstrual products. We think that's a great idea. Let them have access to menstrual products. But as we read through the bill, they changed every form where it said women or female to the word persons and decided to claim that it's anyone that has a menstrual cycle, any person that has a menstrual cycle. Here at the California Family Council, we know the biological facts that only women menstruate, that men don't have a menstrual cycle. And so through this bill, they're trying to erase the truth of what a woman is. They're trying to push a lie that men can menstruate, as well as that men need birth control. So they're pushing the lie that men can get pregnant. So we went to testify in opposition just this morning to push back against this erasure of women. Now, you you testified uh, on this issue today? Correct, I now, did. What could you just tell us what happened there? What what was the what were the questions you were asked, and what did you get across? I was there to t- simply say men don't menstruate, men can't get pre- pregnant, and they need somebody Please. to come there and tell them that apparently. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> and so my goal was to get them to vote no on the bill or to amend it to make it clear that this is just applying to females. Mm-hmm. And they all on the committee, there was eight people on the committee, eight assembly members, they all voted yes on the bill. So they disregarded what I had to say. And instead of saying anything to me or asking me questions about my stance, any of the assembly members that did speak out, they just thanked the author of the bill for bringing up such an important bill. So what happens now? Does it go to the Senate? Uh, it, the governor has to sign it? Or what, where's, how far along is it? Luckily, this is the first committee hearing, so we have some to fight it. It's either going to get sent off to another committee or to the assembly floor. We're waiting to see where it'll get sent off to. But if it gets to the assembly floor, all the assembly members will have to vote on it. Being California, we do, unfortunately, um, expect it to pass through the assembly floor and Senate floor. If we don't get more people pushing back, then we'll see it go off to the governor's desk. And the governor signed similar legislation into law last year, so it would be a shock if he didn't sign this into law if it made it to his desk. Yeah, I see that uh, Governor Newsom, uh, possibly uh, next uh, President Newsom, uh, signed (laughs) bipartisan legislation, and it says bipartisan here, which is kind of scary, uh, that mandated uh, feminine products in third through fifth grade girls and boys public school bathrooms. First of all, third grade, and it's kind of surprising to me, uh, and uh, it also said that, that this bill that he uh, mandated, or that he tried to get through, um, he signed, I guess, already, a bill requiring all state-owned buildings to stock feminine products in men's and women's restrooms, restrooms that's already passed the Senate and is waiting for a committee hearing in the Assembly. That's what I'm getting from uh, the California Family Council's um, website. So can you go tell us a little bit about that one? Yes, that is correct. So the first bill that you mentioned where they're putting menstrual products in third-grade girl and boy restrooms, that oh. did pass through the Assembly and Senate last year. And like you said, Governor Newsom did sign that into law. We pushed back against it, and unfortunately, you're right, this is bipartisan legislation. We see 
both the Democrats and Republicans signing on. They're choosing to just emphasize the good part of the bill that girls will get free menstrual products, which we support, but they're ignoring the part where they're erasing women, that they're legally changing language, that they're removing the words women and female, and they're acknowledging at this point by saying yes on this legislation, they are saying that they believe men can menstruate. And so, like I said, Governor Newsom signed that bill into law. We already had menstrual products in sixth grade boy and up restrooms in public schools, so now it's going to be in third grade restrooms just to further indoctrinate children at a younger age. And then the second bill is SB 59. That's from Senator Nancy Skinner. Last year is when she introduced the bill. We testified against that twice. And she put it on hold, most likely because of the budget deficit we were in last year, and we're still in this year, but she's continuing it on this year. And it has gotten through the Senate side. We did see all the Republicans abstain from voting. So that was a first. They abstained from voting. So they're at least recognizing they shouldn't be passing this, but they're not being bold enough to vote no as of now. And so the second that one comes up for a committee hearing, we'll be there to testify against and say, our state tax dollars shouldn't go to putting menstrual products in men's restrooms and state-owned buildings. Well, as a man, I, I have to ask you this question because it, it seems um, really kind of strange to me. Uh, third grade girls and menstrual products, is that, that seems a little early for me. Am I, am I missing something there? No, it definitely is early. There is a case every once in a while there is a third grade girl that does start her menstrual cycle, but... More than often, girls are not starting it until about fifth grade or later. So it's very early. And again, I think that is just acknowledging the fact that they're just trying to indoctrinate the children yeah. at a younger age. That's why I asked you, because uh, you, you, you said that you mentioned uh, that it was more like indoctrination. So they're, it, it's so, it's so sick that they're, they, they are using the, um, the the machines of the the products that they want to put in not only girls bathrooms but boys bathrooms at third grade i i'm it's been a long time since i was in the third grade but i don't think i had any idea what menstruating was when i was in third grade um and so i don't know if that's different now but what i'm getting to here is that it it's a it's a mechanism to just get kids talking about it so that you can then teach them that we need these products in both boys' and girls' bathrooms because both boys' and girls need these products. Even though exactly. the, the percentage of the girls, the girls even at that really young age, is ridiculously low. And obviously that none of the boys do. But um, even though it's, it, it, they're not needed, no, no sane person on the planet Earth thinks that there are enough uh, boys who are actual real there are enough there are enough there's enough need for a uh so for menstrual products in a boys room or a men's room there there there's not anybody on the planet who uses their brain who thinks that's the case it's just they're, they're start even even if you wanted to admit to the stupidity that 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 uh, you know that there are men who menstruate that that's it's the percentage is so small that it's not an issue that should be taking up 5 seconds of the California uh, assemblies day. It's exactly. other than, other than to indoctrinate. Exactly, and the issue with that is we know at most public schools, 
There is no restroom that says only third grade and up allowed on this, allowed in this restroom. Quite often, the second graders are also using that restroom. Right. The first graders are using that restroom. So they're starting this at a very early age, again, to push an agenda, but they're hiding it behind these great bills. Like I said, California Family Council is in support of if they want to provide free menstrual products to women's restrooms, go ahead. If you want to make sure that incarcerated women have better access to menstrual products, go ahead. We support that. But we're not going to support the change of the language, and that's why we have to stand against these bills unless they're amended. And the language is, is very important, too, isn't it? It's not that, that, That's a really big deal that people shouldn't trivialize. Absolutely. That's why they're changing it, because it um, is, is as important as it is. Hmm. If we let them continue to get rid of males and females and just start saying them or persons or people who menstruate or people who give birth, that's just going to further push their agenda and get them to their end goal of there being no gender, there being no defined sex. And it's pushing it not just for the menstrual products, but eventually for them to further advance the issue of boys and girls sports, boys and girls locker rooms, yep. boys and girls restrooms. So it's very important that we have to stand against this. Again, even though they might be great bills, once they change the language, we cannot support them. Yeah, I uh, I just saw an ad the other day for prostate medicine for people with prostates. That's that's what it said, <laughs> and it was giving uh, you know directions or something about why it's you know how how to use the product, and it said it was for people with prostates. That's where we are, and again, the percentage of people in the United States it's it's like point zero four percent that are even. Uh, are suffering from tr- uh, gender dysphoria who would think that that language was either appropriate or necessary, um, and and that you have the makers of medical uh, of, of products made for men who are afraid to to use the word man or for uh, men. It's beyond belief. And and, and so you're you're fighting this. I've I've I've. Uh, had people from your uh, organization on before. This is this is not the only thing you're dealing with out there, but it's a California Family Council, and we're talking to Outreach Director Sophia Laurie. So um, there's a the Independent Women's Forum. I'm going to have a guest on uh, from there uh, either tomorrow or Thursday to talk about a documentary that they're doing. I don't know if you're aware of it. Uh, they've done a, they're doing a series of documentaries on women's prisons where they are letting men, you know, transgender women, men, who have uh, records, uh, who have been convicted of uh, sexual abuse of some kind, assault of some kind, they're putting them in prisons with women. And one, uh, and it goes back to what you just said, Sophia. If you change, if there is no such thing as men and women, if it's just persons, then it doesn't matter. And, and women have been impregnated in these prisons. They've been assaulted. It's pretty sick. Absolutely. And that's why we were pushing back against this bill, the AB 1810, because it's in regards to prisons and it's in regards to incarcerated women. And one of the parts of the bills is that women should have the needs to birth control methods or emergency contraception. Why would a woman need emergency contraception while she's in a woman only prison? And that does go back to the fact that in 2020, California Governor Newsom signed into law SB 132 that was written by Senator Scott Weiner and that's where they changed the language to state that people get to go to prison based off their gender identity not their actual biological sex and so 
some people might have not pushed back because it's not that big of a deal that they're changing that language. But like you said, women are being impregnated. Incarcerated women are being impregnated by incarcerated men. There's a reason we have two separate prisons. And we know as of 2022 that 33.8% of the men who are choosing to identify as a woman and are in the women's prisons are registered sex offenders. So this is completely creating an unsafe environment. And that's the only reason we would now need this AB 1810 to have this birth control, to have this emergency contraception. Because again, if it's a woman's only prison, we shouldn't be dealing with that issue. We know it takes one man and one woman to create a child. So uh, if I'm going to talk to the, the woman from the Independent Women's Forum about this, but I, I don't know, maybe you've come across this in your dealings with this stupid uh, rule, rules for incarceration, but what does a man who has a proclivity for sexual assault have to do to uh, prevent prove that he's now a woman put a dress on throw on some lipstick what does he have to do to say yeah uh you know what i'm not going to the men's prison i'm a woman i'd like to go where all those women are because i'm a big fan of sexual assault i'd like to be in there with them well i don't get it how, how does that who decides that this this man is is qualifies as a woman to be in this prison is there a board the is there is, is, who is it it's Simply the man who committed the crime himself, based off California law, all the person has to do is say they identify as a female and immediately they will be taken and put inside a woman's prison instead. Why would any man who's who's uh, shown a, a uh, uh, that he's a, um, a, a big fan of sexual assault, why would he ever go to a men's prison? Exactly. This is just and, there, and here's the scary thing. And I don't know if it's about if this is the one with um, that, that applies to the prisons, but um, it says here in your on your website that, for example, uh, says sadly many Republican legislators continue to vote for bills that erase women and give menstrual products to men. For example, Republican Assemblywoman Marie Waldron has joined four other Democrats co-sponsoring AB eighteen ten, and Assemblywoman Lori Davies joined ten Democrats to, to co-sponsor. SB 59, a bill that requires feminine products in state-owned men's bathrooms. These are Republicans, and and, and they keep getting reelected. Yes, they do. And what's important, too, is Republican women. If anything, the women should be standing yeah. up against the erasure yeah. of ourselves, against, if anything, women know better than any man how horrible it can be to have a menstrual cycle and what you have to do to work through that every time of the month and to then sign on to this bill and just deny the reality that women and men are different, it blows my mind. Well, as, when it gets down to the prisons, when you start having women uh, being assaulted, um, at some point, shouldn't someone be liable for a lawsuit there? If you're a woman in a prison and, and you're assaulted by a man, um, somebody's got to be responsible for that, besides the man who does it. Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure Amy, who's with IWF, that's coming on to speak with you, she'll know more in depth on that. But it's just going to take women pushing back against that, um, that are in prison and are being unfortunately raped by these men. Yet I know many of them are scared to stand up against what's going on and scared to speak out because their sentences, they might not be reduced. And like I said, Amy will have more details on that. But yeah. 
we might see future lawsuits coming down the line. Well, I'm I'm really glad you're doing this, what you're doing out there at the California Family Council, but it, it just really is ridiculous that we just had to spend 15 minutes talking about this. I mean, it, when you think about it, isn't it just in, insanity that's even, <laughs> that it's even up for discussion? But it is, and there you are, right? Absolutely. I can't believe that I have to sit in front of our elected officials. These are people that should be extremely intelligent people, or at least people that just yeah. understand common sense. And I have to tell them that men can't get pregnant. Yeah. This should never be a conversation, and yet here we are. Here we are. It's insane. And I'm ha- happy to have you on the show. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll be right back. Well, this ties in with uh, what we were just talking about in our last segment with about um, the need for menstrual products in boys' and men's bathrooms in the state of California um, and the erasure of women because they now refer to persons who menstruate need these products. So a person who is in a prison who might actually um, not be a woman still might need to – well, actually – is a man, but says she, he's a woman, might need menstrual products. So you you figure it out. Anyway, uh, this, this is a headline in the New York Post today. Women are loving men who embrace baby girl vibe and ditch toxic masculinity. You see where this is going? Uh, and it's written by someone named uh, Adriana Diaz. So uh, a new definition of the term baby girl has recently been adopted, remaining as a uh, term of endearment, but expanding to include a specific type of swoon-worthy man. Swoon-worthy, okay? A man who is, quote-unquote, baby girl, comes across as sweet, charming, a bit bashful, and seemingly in touch with their feminine side, ready to talk about their feelings, or, are you ready? (laughs) Carry a purse to brunch at any point. <laughs> this is the world we're living in. This, this woman's writing this with a straight face. Traditionally, highlighting feminine qualities in men has been a put-down, but this doesn't seem to be the case with baby girl, quote-unquote, which almost has a celebratory quality. Kamna Bowani, a Columbia University-educated sexuality expert, told The Post. This is what we have at Columbia. Kamna Bowani. She's a sexuality expert. For one, Gen Z is much more fluid when it comes to gender and sexuality than older generations, encouraging rather than condemning, blurring the lines around the previously restrictive boxes separating masculine and feminine. And as I'm reading this to you, I'm looking at a story of a guy standing wearing shorts. It looks like maybe it's a skirt. I don't know, but he's got... He's got a, a trench coat and some sh- uh, regular shoes with his hocks pulled up toward his knees, his legs bare, and the coat open, and he's standing there with a nauseating smile on his face. This is the world we live in. You know what these people need? They all needed. They all needed to grow up watching the Three Stooges instead of Mr. Rogers. That's my that's my theory. That, I mean, that may be a little strong, but that's where I'm going. And I'll talk to you tomorrow, maybe. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.